You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me today is Greg Miller, Hi. Sam Claiborne, What's up, everybody? And Justin Davis. Ooh. Lots to talk about today. We're going to talk about Elder Scrolls Online. We're going to talk about this strange new Vita game that's being censored. But first, everybody is talking about whether or not Nintendo should put their games on iOS mm -hmm. and Android, on mobile. Uh, for their part, Nintendo has said they have no plans to do that, although they have admitted, you know, in, uh, in light of recent news where they're way, way missing their sales targets, they are considering new business structures. Lots of people think that this is what Nintendo needs to do to, in order to uh, survive in the short term, just put their games on iOS, they'll make a quick buck really fast. Some other people think that's a terrible idea, it's time for GameScoop. Ah, finally. To weigh in on this. Let's solve it, guys. Let's First, it. the quote from uh, President, uh, Nintendo President Satoru Iwata is that the spread of smart devices does not spell the end of game consoles. It's not that simple. It doesn't mean that we should put Mario on smartphones. Sam, what do you think? Well, two things. Mm -hmm. One is that I don't think Nintendo needs money. They, they need to have a profitable right business. Now, yeah. They still got a lot okay. of money in the bank. Right, so they don't need to make a quick buck. Which is totally, you know, they just don't need to do that. I looked it up. They have $11 billion in the bank. Yeah, which is even well, more yen. Like you, that's almost yeah, as much as I have <laughs> in my bank. Even more yen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the other thing is that uh, I, I want good Nintendo games, right? I don't want bad Nintendo games ever. And there happens to be a lot of really good Nintendo games on 3DS right now. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them, uh, well, but there's nothing on iOS that's as good as, you know, the best 3DS game. By any measure, I, I don't think. 
And so I, I think that they're doing just fine making awesome games on 3DS. I want them to make more awesome games. I don't think they're going to be able to do that on iOS, even if they could make money off of it. So it's kind of a non-issue for me. But now, like, what about certain games like Fire Emblem? Mm-hmm. You don't think that would work very well? I think it would iOS? work, but it works so well on the, the 3DS well, sure. already, I, I don't really see, you know. Well, but like, then you're would... just talking about, like, why not bring the game to more platforms? Yeah, right? I mean, uh, yes. I, I, I can see your point for <laughs> games like that. But you know it's it's and I hate to use the term slippery slope. I well, don't want I just don't want to see Mario on on a, on a touch screen. I, I know what you mean, but this actually just gave, doing a visual this gave me an idea. Right? If if Nintendo did want to do this, I'm just saying. He's drawing an M. Now he's drawing an R and you know an A and then oh, an R. I see what Mario. he's doing. <laughs> Does this show up on camera? Mario. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Nintendo, this is a free one. You can use. I this. mean, here's the thing. We've talked about this a lot over the years. I remember. I remember old Hillary Goldstein games. Who? He, he Who? was this. He was this girl. That oh was yeah. This thing that he talked about. Yeah. Anyways, they would say that if Nintendo, when profits were so down, when the money was gone from the bank, that's when they would need a quick buck, and they'd be like, "Screw it, all NES games or whatever. Five NES games are going to iOS and all these things." I don't think this is. You know, the the problem with the Wii U numbers and all these other things. I don't think that this is the time to fire that immediately. You know what I mean? I don't think they're to the point. It seems to me like the iOS thing is totally, well, we need money. We are screwed. We are in a lot of trouble. Right now they're like, well, we missed our marks and that sucks, but we'll come back. Yeah, it's the Sega position where yeah. Sega was struggling as a company. Mm-hmm. They had to get out of the console business to stay being a company. And you know what? Their game suffered from that. 100%. Really see that. Now, conversely, I do think, I think Fire Emblem would be really good. <laughs> now Sega has so many amazing yeah. games. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the problem, right? Is that people say the console and the games are developed together mm-hmm. and so they're, they become an inseparable package. But, you know, I to your point about Fire Emblem working on iOS, it totally would. You know, it would, it would be good. I, I I think that you could also, anybody could make a knockoff Fire Emblem game and do an iOS. I don't sure. want to do that. I think there are certain do, games. There's a bunch of good strategy games. There's nothing not, to that yeah, level. Not like that. You know, people say, you know, the, the Nintendo games, the platformers are all about the great controls, you know, and that we, you know, the controls are terrible on touchscreen platforms like iOS and iPad, but like uh, games that don't require turn-based games like Fire Emblem, right. even like a Pikmin. Like the number of Nintendo franchises that would work great on an iPad is so high or an iPhone. Like Animal Crossing would be sure. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Advance Wars and Fire Emblem oh, would be yes. awesome. Yes, Advance Wars. Pikmin would be awesome. So this Nintendo Pokemon covers, would be really Nintendo good. Nintendo has even like, made a, they've even Pokemans. made two touchscreen Zelda games and at right. the time, people praised Nintendo for that. For like They thought that worked well. So this is the cool conversation about this, is that some games would benefit for being on iOS. That's the conversation that I'm interested in. I'm I'm not interested in what's going to save Nintendo's business. So let's be, like that's what the conversation is right now. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Nintendo has to get out of consoles. They've totally failed. Blah blah blah. Right. They need to be this company, this that company. You don't know what company they need to be. Only Satoru Iwata is going to make that decision. He's kind of crazy. That company's never made <laughs> decisions that we can predict. They make it. They just made a 2DS. Like, if you guys want to see, <laughs> if you want to see cool games on a, you know, like Nintendo games on iOS, then like that's something that's really interesting. I think you guys have great ideas about that. So that's what I can get behind. So I mean, here's some facts about the, all the chicken littles running around saying that Nintendo is doomed. Need to know. And I do. I have said that Nintendo's in big trouble, and I'm going to reconcile that with what I'm about to say in a little bit. So Nintendo, so settle in. This is a, this is a lecture. <laughs> Nintendo, I looked some stuff up before GameScoop. Nintendo right now, all, they're worth nineteen billion dollars. That's what the company is worth. That's more than EA and Activision put together. So they're a bigger video game company in terms of what their stocks worth than EA and Activision. Um, 
They have $11 billion in cash in the bank that they're just sitting on that they can use for whatever they, they need. They're the third biggest company in Japan, period. Yeah, they're bigger than Sony. Um, or they, you know, they go back and forth. I think right now as we speak, they're bigger than Sony. So if you subtract that cash that they have from what they're worth, that basically means the market's saying Nintendo, all of their hardware business, all of their software business, all their brands, they have some of the biggest, best, most reliable brands in Zelda. Mario is up there with Disney. That's worth about $8 billion. Like, that's not very much. Like, I think Nintendo's cheap. Like, I think if you're buying stock, like, the upside there is tremendous. Like, yes, the Wii U is in big trouble, and I don't really know how Nintendo comes back from that because it's not enough to just say, okay, we really fucked up with the Wii U. Like, what you do after that suddenly starts in, like, such a pit. Like, that's why the Dreamcast had so much trouble is because it's like a Saturn did so poorly. Like, if they're not super careful, it can start this downward spiral that hurts their hardware business. But Nintendo is a company that makes games that we love. You know, you're loving your Wii U, you're loving uh, 3D World and NES Remix, and I'm loving my 3DS. I loved everything that they did last year. That company is not in any kind of imminent danger that they need to make big changes. Like, they're they're fine. But I'd like to see Nintendo games you know, be improved by iOS, like menu choosing and stuff like that. I, I'd also like to see uh, Wii U games or Nintendo's franchises on next-gen, you know, I'd love to see Zelda look like, what was that game that came out, that was announced yesterday, that fantasy game with the open world, uh, Kingdom something Deliverance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing, well, basically, all these two Skyrim and set as an example. Like, yeah. a giant, you know, explorable open world right. was not possible on the Wii. It might be possible on the Wii U. But that's what I want Zelda to be. I don't want it to be restricted like I think it was when Skyward Sword came out. Mm. And like Metroid Other M, that's not the best example of what a Metroid game should be. Arkham City is. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what, you know, the, I feel like sometimes Nintendo's hardware is holding games back. And what, even though they're designed in tandem to work together, and it's probably good for the company for them to have a console, I want, you know, the designers at Nintendo, the game developers, to be set free to make the, the coolest, most cutting-edge games possible. See, that to me is the most exciting thing and why I thought it was weird that the smartphone business came up again, right? Because I feel like that was an argument we left behind so long ago, like in the Hillary Colson era that, that we were still talking about. Now it would be way more exciting for Nintendo to be like, the Wii U is a failure, we're pulling out, we are going to make software for these things, and we'll keep making 3DS hardware, but then it comes down to how much the That's exactly where I am at. I mean, right? I, I, could, I could live with that, and like, who, I don't know what, what the quality effect that would have on games. It, may, it might have negative quality effects on games, but like, the Wii had negative quality effects right. on games. It kept games back. Right. Like, I think the Wii U is going to have the same problems. I want the cutting-edge, amazing Nintendo games that we once had. Do you think, I mean, my concern, Nintendo's done a great job for decades of existing in this sort of other space. There's all these game companies and then Nintendo is sort of off on their own, doing their own Mm. thing, selling their own hardware and software. And so if we saw games like Zelda and Metroid on the PlayStation 4, then suddenly they're competing against this whole other games that, like, they're almost not even mentioned in, like, the same breath. They're considered in the same way. Like, do you think they would feel as special? Like, I feel like that's part of what happened to Sega. Well, Sega's quality dropped first and foremost, but, like, that would be my big concern with Nintendo. And it's like, oh, they make such great software. Why don't they just become a software-only company? Like, it's more complicated than that. It's more complex than that. Yeah, to, use, to use the, the Batman example, like, Batman's huge. You can make a terrible Batman game now, but you can also make an amazing, well-thought-out Batman game on every console like these new Batman games have been, and they're, they're just fantastic. And if Nintendo's not capable of doing that... 
then like I question their abilities as developers in the first place. If you can't sure. take somebody else's hardware and just be that's really powerful and make an amazing 3D Mario game, right? Then you know what's stopping you from doing that? You should the, be able to do. I mean, that. they're just now There's making no HD games, yeah. and they look incredible. I think Mario 3D World looks incredible. Yep. Even Wind Waker HD does. But I mean, they're not going to come out. They're not going to make another console now, right? Like I just can't. They're not going to invest all that money in like create a console that's going to compete with PS4 and Xbox One right now. So it's like, what's, what's the option? Are they going to make games for the Steam machine, for the Steam Box? Like, what do they do? They're in a tight spot. I, I do think, you know, they're a company that's proven their willingness and ability to reinvent themselves, you know, both with the Wii and even in the big picture. Like, they were a, not a video game company longer than they were. So oh, yeah. they could be, in another 50 years, they could be a toy maker. Like, we don't know. They could be something totally different. So I don't doubt their resilience and Nintendo's ability, you know, to... Mm-hmm. Survive. They're resilient, um, but they're also resistant to change. They, they get dead set on things, and then they take a long time to adapt. So right now we're getting that with the eShop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a good place to discover a huge library of amazing Nintendo games for cheap. The games are too expensive. There's not enough of them. It kind of stinks to, to, get, to just navigate. Like th- That could have been sorted out 10 years ago, but they only really decided they have a need for that now, and now they're really pushing it hard, but... You know, that, that's something that they missed the boat on. But, hey, th- they've done that before. They just need yeah. to catch up. I do. I mean, this is this is an issue where I'm truly on the fence. And, you know, one little nudge could knock me on one side or the other. Like, uh, <laughs> You know, because we listed off all these Nintendo franchises that would be fantastic on touchscreens and so many more franchises that I would love to play on a PlayStation or an Xbox. But I am very concerned that, A, they would lose their Nintendo magic, you know, in that transition and B, I just don't know from you know a business sense, a money sense, like I was saying, I don't know that they feel the same urgency that some people think. They what hurts is to see them. I don't think there's urgency to it. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. Yeah. I like, don't think they're to the point where they're like, we have to do something. Right now it is, how do we solve this Wii U problem? And then maybe later becomes, yeah. F, we have to do something. Yeah. No, I was just saying what hurts is to see games lose their Nintendo magic on a Nintendo console. Mm-hmm. And when you see Other M flounder, and when you see... Um, Skyward Sword, which I personally didn't think was good, but a lot of people do like it, or you know the infinite amount of Yoshi's Island and Kirby games that that come out. Like I just don't, I they have that same problem already. The Nintendo magic can also be lost if they just don't do certain innovations or make good games. So it's like. You know, maybe it wouldn't be that bad to see that Nintendo Magic be lost just because it's on PlayStation. Yeah, it's still a good game. They're at a crossroads where they can either become Sega or they can become Disney. And not that those are the two extremes. Like, they could easily go somewhere in the middle. But if they do the right thing and, you know, and and make really smart choices over the next few years and put out really high-quality products, they could become, you know, NES Remix is an example of a game that really only appeals to adults. And maybe there's some kids out there that never played the NES that are loving it. That's basically a nostalgia trip, which is fine. You know, I'm 28, I love it. Right. Um, but they also have stuff that appeals to young kids, and Mario games are friendlier than ever and easier to get into. So if they really sort of think this through and do the right thing, they could become you know, a Disney that has ABC Family and has all these cartoons, but also has ESPN and Pirates of the Caribbean and right. you know, this breadth of content. Or they could kind of become a Sega and just become this weird sort of gaming afterthought. I mean, to the point you're making, right, that I think for most of us, right, the reason you love Nintendo is nostalgia. And, you know, the years of, you know, playing Zelda, I'll never forget, you know, my first Zelda being a Sega kid was N64, and I stayed up till three in the morning the night before, or the day of, I guess, my ACTs playing it, whatever. But I, I thought it was interesting when I went to the PlayStation 4 event and I talked to Shuhei Yoshida about industry in general, we're talking on camera about Nintendo, and I was saying how I thought they'd made some bad choices so far, and he brought up the fact that 
it's a concern for them because Nintendo is a gateway to console gaming, right? Like, Nintendo is this thing with mm. kid-friendly games, and you bring them in, they play that way. And so when they do have put out a system that isn't selling well, and we do see children going to iPad, and that's what they imagine, you know, touch-based everything is going to be games, that becomes them eroding the fan base in a way, right? In a way that kids are growing in a new tangent they're not that people don't know about, and then you figure, even if they let the Wii U right now languish for another three, four years, then that's a generation of children who are playing games that aren't Nintendo and don't care about Mario. Yeah. Or don't care. You know, they're more familiar with gaming on a touchscreen than gaming with a controller in their hand. Yeah. And that's already true of kids, you know, sure. in America as well. Yeah. Yep. Nintendo, Nintendo has an investor meeting coming up soon. Is that right? Yeah, at the very end of this month, the 30th or... Is it 31 days of January? <laughs> yeah, 31. There are 31, yeah. yeah. So it's right at, it's very at the end of the month and they're going to announce... You know, we don't know how sweeping the changes yeah. are going to be, but that's when we're going to hear more. Interesting. We'll hear more then. Obviously, we'll continue watching Nintendo's fortunes very closely. Now, Elder Scrolls Online. Can't wait. <coughs> it finally Are looks you being like serious? I'm serious. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I played it at uh, PAX. Is that right? PAX? Well, it was the last one. I went and played it at PAX. I was a big fan. Very excited. Was it in third person then? I It was both. I could, I could both? jump okay. back and forth. I think okay. it's still Because now it's first person. Like It looks just like Skyrim. When yeah. You, play that way. you can jump around and do cool. both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. Yeah. It's out April 4th. Coming up, man. Mm-hmm. On PC. Uh, is it, oh, is this coming to PC first? Is Consoles it, aren't the same correct? day? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know about that. Let's just say... I thought it was day and date for everything. I kind of thought so, too. I'll Google real yeah, quick. You can, you can, you, you're, I yeah. will allow it. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, the uh, ESRB rating was just announced. It received uh, an M for Mature, yeah. which wasn't a surprise to me, but apparently it was a surprise to Bethesda. I cannot believe that this is a game Bethesda is a really, really savvy company. You know, they're one of the most savvy companies in the industry. They've been working on this game for years, targeting a T rating, and then it comes back an M, and they say, oh, we're really surprised about this M rating. How does that happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we have no idea. We've like, never made a game. How could they not know? How also, could like, they miss, like, it, it, it occasionally happens with movies where we were really targeting a PG-13, right. they gave yeah. us an R, and they make a few cuts and, you know, they have some back and forth and get it down to PG-13. I am correct. You're correct. PC, April. Okay. Jet consoles later on. I was afraid I was breaking some kind of embargo. <laughs> I had to text Leah. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's rated M. Even though they were expecting a T. But the last two Elder Scrolls games, Skyrim and Oblivion, were both rated M. That's true. So it's not like this is some gigantic blow where, like, now all these kids that love Skyrim aren't going to be able to play this new one. Like, it's yeah, the same audience. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, like you, you say you're excited for it. Right. Um, and, and I keep hearing from people who have played it that they are excited for it. But it is a game that you have to buy for $60 and then pay a $15 a month yeah, subscription expensive. fee. Right. Right? Like, yeah. that's, it's a tough sell. Sure. I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the subscription fee is going to make a comeback. Mm. Really? Yeah. Just in general? Well, because I think the pushback against free-to-play and freemium is going to get stronger, and people are going to, they're going to figure out that they, they don't like the way that feels in a lot of games, and they would rather just pay and not have to think about money. Yeah. People will figure out that you get what you pay for. Well, I mean, and we've written, I've written, and other people have a lot about free-to-play games. You just don't want to be thinking about money when you're playing a game. That's, that's the bottom line. You're thinking totally about agree. free-to-play games that actually have quality stuff you can buy, as opposed to like the type of new, even newer stuff, which like Dota, sure. where you only buy cosmetic stuff. Free-to-play, free. in and of itself, is not good nor bad, just like $60 isn't good nor bad. There's good examples of free-to-play and bad. There's $60 games that are fantastic and $60 games that are terrible. Yeah. Generally sure. speaking, I think freemium and free-to-play is leaving a bad taste in the mouth of a lot. It's weird to already be paying for PSN and Xbox Live. Right. And also... That's the, that's the other thing, too. This is on top of your... Yeah. 
your service. Yeah, I don't buy into for. that either because it's no? like, oh, you you don't factor in the cost of your TV. Like you bought the TV, you bought the <laughs> okay. electricity. Like everyone yeah. already has Xbox Live or PSN for the you know the services that it already provides. When we get to this point, I will not be shocked when they say that you don't need uh, PlayStation Plus for this. DC Universe Online is an online only MMO. You do not need PlayStation oh, you don't Plus need to it. play it. Yeah. I thought okay. they already said you did. Well, maybe they haven't announced Elder Scrolls because it's too far away. But there's several MMOs that do require uh, oh. the premium console service. We'll see. But I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't there. Uh, and, and that's what it comes down to for me is that, you know, I, 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 I'm not using DC in a joking sense like I normally do. I'm addicted to that MMO. I love that game and I play it all the time. And that's a free-to-play MMO. And the other day my subscription expired and I gave them the 125 bucks they asked for for Legendary. I was like, yep. Like, I don't, and I'm not going to play it every day. Of, I'm not going to play it every month, I'm sure, this year. Yeah. But I want it there and I don't want to worry about, oh, crap, well, now I'm losing character slots and inventory slots and bank slots yeah. and this, that, that's and the, the other. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'd rather... I'm I'm fine. Yeah, then this game looks out. awesome. I'm sure I get a free month with it the first month I buy it. So then I'm paying fifteen dollars for the second month, and then am I still playing it? Who knows? I'll cross that bridge when the time comes. You have to figure out these no joke like these big giant elaborate spreadsheets to figure out what costs what and what to get a good yeah. deal. I'm really into Lord of the Rings Online, and I think that's a game that does do free to play right. I really like that game's model, but I do need to look at this Google Doc to keep track of like. Okay, if I subscribe for one month, I get this stuff, and then I can buy this quest pack, and then that'll yeah, equal yeah. like that'll save me money in the long run. It's like, man, I would much rather just pay a fee every month. <laughs> right. The downside is that then you need you feel pressured to play. Yeah. That's sure. the thing to get your money's worth. So now, what about uh, uh, the older public? Star Wars is a much stronger brand, and it it couldn't maintain a subscription yeah. model. And they they uh, it made more money when it went free to play. All the games make more money when they switch to free to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't like. You still I, think Elder Scrolls? I think maybe it's because it's coming out on consoles and people just yeah. might not be used to that. I think it's going to attract a Skyrim audience, honestly. Sure. Yeah. Like I, they should go for that, you know, yeah. and if they can get people to pay those I mean, prices on It consoles. wouldn't strike me as odd if they do the same thing DC did, which it was. Hey, we are the exact same model. We get that number. We see the bump, and then when we see the drop, that's when we go, okay, it's free to play. The drop? Just wait for the drop? They'll probably be the, the my favorite my favorite example. Uh, Eve Online does this, and I believe Wildstar is doing this now, where it's a, a paid subscription fee. You know, oh, it's cool. it's ten or fifteen dollars a month, mm. but then you can buy that subscription with in-game money from other players. Or, or you can actually uh, grind. Yeah, you can grind the currency to play for free. Like so you let me give you an example. If you're I, really good, you can keep playing the game for free. Okay. Because yeah, you I can could, use in-game currency or if to you buy are addicted and, and That definitely play. happens in Wildstar. And so let's say I, uh, I don't have a lot of free time, um, and I really want in-game currency. I want this gold to yeah, just yeah. skip ahead. Instead of buying gold from the game service, like in a game like Guild Wars, uh, you give gold to another player, and then they give you a month, uh, you know, another month of okay. subscription. Oh, okay. And it they become, give it to you or they, they pay for well, your... Well, you buy it. Like, you buy it with in-game money from a player. And so it's like, that way you could keep playing for free. You could say, look, I have this thousand gold. I don't want to pay to play this game, so I'm going to give somebody a thousand gold and they're going to give me a month of subscription fee. And then that player basically spent 15 bucks to get the thousand gold. Okay, okay. And that's what EVE Online does. That's, 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 that's a good way to lock people in. And so, and so the reason the game developer doesn't care is because they still got their 15 bucks. Yeah. It's just they got it from one player, like, instead of two players, like... Mm. It's a great model. They also announced the voice cast today for Elder Scrolls Online. A lot of names on it. John Cleese is on there, Kate Beckinsale, Alfred Molina, Malcolm McDowell, and Linda Carter, which I thought was interesting. I don't <laughs> know how much voice acting she does. Yeah, oh, she's Wonder Woman. Yeah, huh. from uh, Hot Fuzz, Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So there's a, 
impressive voice cast. It's a big voice. It's it's a crazy voice cast for an MMO. That's what surprised so, me. So. Dude, if so it, many f bombs to get that rating. <laughs> <laughs> if it were, I mean, if this was Skyrim, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, famous voices. But in an MMO, I don't I don't know that the people in like Old Republic were that famous, for example. Well, there was that was notable for its voice acting, though. Yeah. They spent that's what I mean. So much money, and it took so long. It, it's funny how this has become part of MMOs, is to have the voice acting. I hope. I mean, I think that's kind of what killed Old Republic. Is like that game's production values were so so, big, so yeah. high and yeah. so through the roof that they couldn't keep a steady flow of content coming. Yeah. Um, you know, it was hard. For, it was hard for them to make new stuff, and I hope Elder Scrolls doesn't you know fall prey to that. I'm really really excited about that game. Yeah, I hope it pans out. Elder Scrolls Online is out April fourth on PC. Console's coming at a later date. Now, coming this spring to Vita is an exclusive game called Monster Mon Piece. Well, sounds like, like a cute monsters. little fun game, Damon. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about it? It's out in. Uh, what the hell? It's already out in Japan. It's been out in Japan for like a year. Those characters are dressed a little racy, but I'm sure that's. Just, I'm sure it's just the cover art to entice you in. This for kids. is nothing. This is absolutely nothing. This is rated lower than G compared to what's actually in the game. So the deal with this game is that uh, it's a card battle game, but the cards are girls. They represent monster girls that you meet during your travels. It's also an RPG, and then you get their cards in your arsenal when you battle other people. And it sounds like a lot of fun, Damon. Yeah, so you love card games. You're always playing that magic. So it's a Vita game. The Vita has a touchscreen, right? Yes, <laughs> this is confirmed. <laughs> right. Uh, the cards level up. In order to level up the cards. You turn your Vita vertically, and then you get a big full-screen view of the card, and you rub your Vita, uh, it's a, so you rub the image of the girl vigorously, basically until she levels up and some of her clothes pop off. And then, I think the cards have three levels, actually I'll do the German one, they have three levels each card, and then uh, the, you know, they become increasingly, like the level three card is, is the most scantily clad. Oh, okay. This is the game that's been out in Japan for over a year. Monster sure. Monpies coming out here in the spring in, the, in Europe and the U.S. There you go. Jeez Louise. But the game, yeah. There's just a lot this of is the part. Now the, <laughs> ridiculous the player, jiggle. The player is rubbing at this part. Oh, goodness gracious. You'll notice the bingo wings are not Whoa, clapping. Whoa, that the seal? Part. The seal's just really <laughs> impressed with, with the game. So, but the, the thing is that there's been some controversy about this because the game is actually being censored. Like, we, you know, this... When it comes out in America, right? When it comes, well, this is, the, this is the U.S. trailer. Okay. So this is what we'll get, but apparently the, there are 350 cards in the game. 40 of them have been censored. So we won't get the actual Japanese versions. 40 of those cards, when you level up to level 3, it'll just revert back to the level 1 art. So you're not going to see the level 3 art. It was deemed too racy mm. for Western mm. audiences. You're really upset about this, aren't you? Dan? I'm not upset about this. I'm just re I'm just <laughs> relaying the information. Buddy. <laughs> Damn, um, touchy much? <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> um, some people were upset about this. Now, the audience for a game like this, which includes me, is pretty small. Yeah. Right. It's this game niche. is not going to. niche market. This game is not going to do gangbusters. Oh. Um, but I think it's interesting that the uh, the publisher that's bringing this over decided to just go ahead and censor the game beforehand. Who's the publisher? I don't want to. Yeah, spot? I know. I, I cannot. Isn't it more interesting that the publisher made this game in the first place? I think I think it's Idea Factory. They're one of those uh, publishers Garbage that bring developer. over Japanese so, games. I mean, you know, we can talk about censorship, freedom of speech. But what yeah. jumps out to me about this is that the audience for this game is tiny, as Damon right. says. And they're the people that are going to be most upset about it being censored. <laughs> I mean, right? They upset yeah. the only yeah. audience that's interested in the game to begin with. This right? game was never going to be a I bestseller. Mean, they're in a tough spot because 
It's like a game like that could, you know, there was there was an issue with uh, Dragon's Crown, right. right? When it came Sorceress. out, Sorceress. Yeah, there's like you know sexual imagery in that, and then it becomes a thing. It's not that it's sexual so much as it's just like obnoxious depictions. Of Gratuitous, yeah, yeah, Grotesque-ly chauvinistic, yeah. Ridiculous. So it's like I mean, like it could just bring the game over as is, and then the audience that it's into that will buy it, and they like it, and that's done. Right, but they did this, and I don't think people, the people who are excited for this game, won't buy it now. Okay. But I do think we're talking about it on Gamescape, which we wouldn't we wouldn't have before, unless it would have <laughs> oh, been released. Wow. And then somebody would have been super mad about it, and then like, like. But the it Dead still has all the same problems. To Damon's point, it has all the same problems still. I mean, thematically. Yeah. And it, it just it has a little bit less skin. It's yeah, just, that's just a stupid way you to censor. You still do the rubbing thing. Like yeah. that's still part so, of the game. So speaking of stupid censorship, uh, also same bravely way. default in yeah. some way. Uh, there in bravely default, which is coming out in a few weeks for DS, there is a bunch of characters with skimpy clothing. Um, and they, they took that out, but it's funny because these characters are like, like... Little chibi characters. Yeah, they're chibi characters. They're not even like realistic or even big boob representations of characters. They're just a little bit more naked than usual. Mm-hmm. And so th- they clothed them a little bit, and then they yeah. changed the, na- the, the, the age of the characters right. in text from 15 to 17. That's, mm-hmm. that's what strikes... That's what's really funny to me about Bravely Default, is like if, you're, if you only need to change their age up, then maybe you need to look more closely at your character models, which I know they changed those too, but yeah. like... And also, 17 is still not legal in America, so I don't know what what's the difference. Why is 15 morally bad, but 17? We're like, ah, it's fine. 17 is fine. Localization this is a very strange. Um, thing. I think in the case of Bravely Default, like that's a game with a lot of broad appeal that looks like it's going to be a massive hit. Broad <laughs> appeal. Broad appeal. Um, no pun intended. Uh, but that game, they want it to be another Final Fantasy. The mm-hmm. game sounds like it's going to be great. We gave it a really positive review. They want mm-hmm. that game to be a monstrous broad hit. Um, hit with. <laughs> Hit with the broads is what I'm getting at. Um, this game, Monster Mom Piece, is not that. So yeah. that's why that's the difference between anymore. That's well, why you know, for me, I understand bravely default censor- censorship, and I think Monster Mom Piece's censorship is probably a mistake for them. I think they're well, frustrating right. and angering the only audience at that game. Yeah, but if you now can it's go tough. now it can go one of a couple ways where uh, it can be somebody's now if somebody's mad about the depiction of the females in the game, they'd be like, hey, we tried, we censored it to uh, a degree we wanted to. Or they can go the opposite route and we've heard the fan feedback and the 40 cards are back in the game. Like, you can rub their boobs again. Rub them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the rubbing is still in there. So it's like, I think people could still be offended by it, right? So yeah, it's like, 100%. maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't censored enough to avoid that. So then, like, what do they? I mean, yeah, you're. I mean, like, you know, it's like basically throwing someone a bone, right? And the fact yeah. of like, well, the gameplay is still rubbing. Like, yeah. that, we can't do anything about that, but yeah. we can. They said the the gameplay isn't totally intact. They didn't change the gameplay. They're not, you know, removing any part of the gameplay. They just took out some forty pieces of artwork from the highest level cards. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think the game's gross. I don't think I've made that explicitly clear yet. I think that's a gross idea. I don't like it. I don't want it. But like, I don't care that it exists. I'm not going to tell somebody what they can. And can't publish and what they can and can't make. Like, make whatever you want, but like. Well, that's what I wonder. Like, part of me thinks, you know, I'm an adult. Can can it just be up to me to decide yeah. whether or not this is appropriate for me? Like, Maybe it's just like, a really clever DLC strategy. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I mean, they like now people are going to be really interested. Yeah, I guarantee yeah, you, now people yeah, are going to yeah. be googling these cards. What cards were left out of Monster Mon piece, mm-hmm. right? Like now that's a thing. They created a thing. Sure. Like, I, I don't have a problem. Like, if this is someone's bag and they want to buy it and someone else wants to, you know, build their business around making stuff like that, just own it. Just do it. Like, make yeah. that your business. Like, it's not for me. And if someone else wants to say, hey, here's why I'm offended by that, like, that's fine. I'm in favor of everybody, 
you know, you can make the girl stuff you want to make and someone else can talk about how they're offended by that and everyone's yeah. allowed to do what they want is sort of the stance that I take. This uh, is always the tightrope we walk when we talk about Japanese games being imported, right? It is a different culture and there is so... Yeah. The sex is treated so much differently over there. Yeah. It's not a real sentence. So, but much, so much differently. It's very tired. It's been a long day. Please be excited for E3. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see in Akihabara? Dude, when you walk around there, I mean, like, like this game's like nothing. Like... It's just, it's like just, it's just anima girls with big boobs everywhere. Like right. that's what it is. It's yeah. just what it is, and you get actually get desensitized to it really fast. My girlfriend and I were there, and there's, you know, even she commented, just like, wow, we, we've seen a lot of boobs, and like it doesn't even affect me anymore now, and like just in a week, you know. So it is totally different. The official comment from uh, the publisher is that Western society is not as lenient as that of Japan when sexual images are involved, especially images of humanoids that appear to be younger than <laughs> a socially acceptable age. So I think I think some of these cards. Or like they look like really young naked girls. Right. When you, most naked humanoids. Humanoids. Yeah. <laughs> most humanoids drawn in the anime fashion look pretty young. They say the borderline of what is acceptable will always be extremely gray and vary from person to person. But as a responsible company working in the U.S., we had to make the dis- the difficult decision that we did. I mean, they're in a tough spot. Sure. Yeah. So it I sounds like they're trying to do the responsible thing and navigate yeah. that cultural line. Yeah. Th- yeah. They're in a tight spot. I, I like. You could metal. be arrested for having pictures of immature humanoids here. <laughs> I actually really like Carbella games, so I think it's better to get the game than not get it at all. So right. They're not actually humans, they're monsters. Well, yeah, monster girls. They're so humanoid. what if they were more, what if they were like 51% monster and only 49% human? Then it's okay, doesn't their age doesn't matter? Like, so if it's, like, if it's like a wolf girl that has like ears, but it's still like a girl, then it's like, no, 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 that's really bad, that's a young girl. But what if she was like more wolf? Like with six boobs? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what if she had like, yeah, like... I always like, want them to bring that game, the DS game where you wipe the sweat off the men. Dual love. Yeah, I want that to come out over I know, there. right? See, that's what we're talking about. There's no even playing field. <laughs> These games get important <laughs> and it's just rubbing a girl and we're all like, well, that seems like a... T- bring over the girl, the game where I rub a guy. There was okay, that game, they, yeah. they were a little bit easier. That's true. Was it on Vita? No. No, it was this a is DS game. Mission of Call. Original <laughs> DS game. <laughs> no, developers not supporting the yeah. Vita once again. <laughs> Anyway, Monster Mom Piece is out this spring. I'm not sure if there's a release date yet, but that is a Vita exclusive. Finally. Check, check one on the board, huh? <laughs> so I hope, uh, hope stores are prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Andrew Gonzalez did. Oh, good name. Uh, he says, I was thinking the other day, Sony's PlayStation Plus offers the best incentive for gamers. The discounts are great. Who wouldn't want free games? Seeing as this is offered across all three Sony platforms, I couldn't help but be troubled about the Vita's take on it. I have learned from a few friends that own the device that they have not purchased a single Vita game since they bought the system because of PS Plus. Their general attitude is, I'll just wait until it appears on PS Plus. In an industry where publishers depend on day one and launch window sales, can this have a negative effect? I know Sony offers an incentive to publishers for putting games on PS Plus, but is it enough to make back development costs? Can this do more harm than good? It could, but I don't think that's what you're looking at right now, right? Like, EA doesn't make Madden for Vita. Why? Because there aren't enough Vitas in the wild. If Sony can turn around at E3 and be like, guess what, we sold 20 million Vitas, developers will be like, oh, well, we should make more games for Vita, and that's when the tide would turn to where you, you, if there's so many games coming out on Vita, they wouldn't all be free eventually. Right now, there's so few games coming out to Vita that you're like, well, that game will probably be free. Ali Ali, probably going to be free on the, <laughs> for PlayStation Plus eventually. This is an issue with, with PC games too, right? Like any, you should buy Ali Ali. I'm saying any half-decent PC game is going to end up in a Humble Bundle, right? That you can get for... Well, an indie, indie game. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. 
What does your spreadsheet say? What's my, I have no spreadsheet on this one. I do a lot of spreadsheets these days. I have a Hearthstone spreadsheet, too. Nice. <laughs> I'm just not realizing this about myself. Lord of the Rings Online, Hearthstone. Um, yeah, so we find, I don't know about Humble Bundles, but you find with stuff like Steam Sales that companies are really, really resistant. Let's say you have a $10 game. They're really, really resistant to knock it down to $1. But what happens over and over and over again is once you go back up to $10, you sell way more. Because other people are playing it, they're telling their friends. Mm, Once the sale's right. over, the sales don't drop off a cliff. You'll sell more, like you'll sell more the day after your sale ends than you know any day you had over the last year. Especially if you only raise it a few bucks, right? Like yeah. you drop it down to almost nothing, and then you raise it to like half price. People are still gonna well, sure, or even back up the to buzz full price. There. Like there's so many more people in the door that you know tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, presumably, right, right. you know. Um, and I don't know, like I haven't talked to anybody about PlayStation Plus specifically. I would assume that's probably the same. Like, Contrast was free when the PlayStation 4 launched. I would assume that that's, they're selling more now as a result. Um, right. But maybe You not. figure, I mean, it's the same thing. We, uh, Eric Bredvig, former IGN guy, did a GDC talk last year, two years ago, about basically that a negative review is still better than no review at all. You want people talking about your stuff. Word yeah. of mouth is a big deal. So even, yeah. like right now, if, someone, if you didn't buy your PlayStation 4 and you're going to buy it in a year. They're still when, selling millions of them. When, when you go into the PlayStation Store, you're going to see contrast and be like, oh, right, that was free a long time ago. I've heard people talk about it. I've heard people play it. Maybe I'll try it. You know what I mean? And you jump in and try it. That's the big problem for indie games is awareness. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to get you know, IGN talking about your game, writing about your game. Um, there's just too many. You're, you're too small. Like The niche is too small. It's a challenge. Um, you know, a game like Don't Starve is another great example. Yeah, uh, although that's has sold over a million copies, so that one's doing okay. Sure, but I mean, it's it's how to get your indie game on people's radar is the big challenge, and giving sure. it away or giving or making it very very cheap is one way to do that, and then you'll sell more after that giveaway ends. Sure. Um, in answer to his question, like I don't know whether it makes sense over the long term, but. My speculation it's been going is going on it, for a while. I mean, right yeah. now for the Vita, I think it makes a lot of sense. Get that? I mean, that they sell, they have they sell a Vita, you know, PlayStation Plus bundle, right? Where it but comes that's a benefit to Sony, not to the companies that are having their games given away. I mean, you don't know that, right? You imagine Sony's made a deal with them. They're getting money from Sony. For that. But I just mean, like, if the Vita sells more units, like okay. you were saying earlier, yeah. as a result well, of this sad. program being so strong, yeah. right? Like, you know, that, it, I, my specul- I would wonder. I would, my, I just, I'd be curious to find out more if it helps Sony more than it helps the companies. Like, it makes the Sony platforms look really appealing, but what about the game makers? Yeah, yeah I mean, game makers don't make that huge of a cut from each game they sell. That's not really how that works. So maybe they're actually getting a really good deal mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to look more into that. Andrew, I would, I'd, I would probably trust that Sony knows what they're doing. That they're not putting. If they were putting developers out of business, they would probably change up the PS Plus. <laughs> I'm actually, and maybe this is like my own ignorance because mm-hmm. I don't know. But like the financials of PS Plus, so they are paying a developer for each. Like, let's say someone downloads Contrast for for, for free. Yeah. Sony's giving them some dough for that for each download. I do not know. I bet specifics. it's a set thing. Like, hey, we're gonna do this. Contract, It'll be yeah. kind of equivalent to if you sold this yeah. many copies on PSN. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's ever. And because been then, so PS about. Plus is fifty bucks a year. You can get it discounted sometimes, but mm-hmm. then so it's like you know, then that comes out of Sony yeah. must know. So, so everybody each, paying for PS Plus, they take that money and distribute it yeah. among several parties. It's like right? you buying fifty ninety nine cent games. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's more than that's, I'd ever buy. On that's maybe how I would think of it. Yeah, or ten five dollar games. I mean, there's enough to go around there yeah, for them to actually $50. purchase the rights to do a free game as a promotion or something like that. That's interesting. I'd be curious to find out more. Maybe I'll look into that. I'll look into it. (laughs) 
This is Matt Jones. Matt Jones? <laughs> Jonesy. <a> big deal. <laughs> Jonesy. Uh, he says, I just read an article which said that the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition would be running at 1080p, 60 frames per second on PS4, but only 30 frames per second on Xbox One. <laughs> Brought me back to the whole discussion around the launch of the two consoles and how PS4 was 1080p on some games, while the Xbox One was only 900p, 720p. Even reminds me of when folks would compare PS3 and Xbox 360 multi-platforms to find the best version. My question, how big of a deal is this really? Are these kinds of graphical differences going to have a large impact on whether or not to buy one console or the other? My thinking is that this comparative performance factor is pretty far down the list when making a console buying decision. I would figure price, controller, which console your friends own, cost of online, features, the library of games, would all be more important than whether or not a game is 1080p or 900p. I've always been a one console gamer, so I guess it never really mattered what the other console's versions looked like, but I wasn't ever given, because I wasn't ever gonna play that version, but I'd really like to hear your opinions on this. Sound like a smart guy, Matt Jones. Matt Jones, super smart guy. I mean, it depends who you are. That's the long and short. We would all buy three of each. Yeah. You got. I don't want to open them all. Yeah, you keep two sealed. Yeah. (laughs) One for the library. One for the collection. I can. I can tell you that uh, the the amount of time I spend worrying about whether or not the version I'm going to play is 60 frames per second or 30 frames per per second is exactly zero. Yeah. It's over the. This is same vein. So stick with me. Over the last month, I've been trying to get my Xbox Netflix to run better, right? And mm-hmm. so Netflix finally contacted me for, this is Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Xbox One support told me how to do it. I had it running. I'm like, great, I tweeted a thank you at them. And somebody tweeted back, he's like, you do know that it li- like the com- they compress it twice on Xbox One, so it actually looks better on PlayStation platforms. And I'm like, you do know that my Xbox One is running my TV and on all the time, and I just want it to be easy. I don't care yeah. if Arrow looks a little bit more compressed here than there. I just want to watch it on the simple thing. Go, yeah. Xbox, Netflix, thanks, I'm done. Not yeah. like plugging different inputs and doing all this stuff. Sure. I think different people have different priorities. And if uh, you know frames and picture quality is incredibly important to you, that's fine. I respect that. Um, if the feel of the controller is incredibly important to you, like everyone needs to make their own decision how important that is. Right. Um, the broader point of like the gap between the two consoles, I mean, we, we don't know. Like... We're finding more, we, they talked about it at launch games with Call of Duty, now Tomb Raider is sort of another example that, hey man, maybe the Xbox uh, is indeed going to be you know, benchmarked quite a bit less powerful than, uh, than the PlayStation 4, but that, that picture is going to continue to emerge over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's roughly the same as the Xbox PS2 divide at GameCube. I remember like yeah. when Grand Theft Auto, uh, Vice City, and 3 came out for Xbox, you know, it was redone a little bit, it ran a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, I don't think more copies were sold, and I don't think anybody would say the Xbox is a better system than the PS2. We, I mean, everyone seems had better to... better resolution sometimes. Everyone seems to accept and acknowledge that the PlayStation 4 is indeed, it has more raw power than the Xbox One. I mean, that seems to be, we're seeing it, we're seeing it over and over again. Um, but how that sort of manifests itself and whether developers will find a way to compensate, you yeah. know, I don't know, we'll see, like... The PlayStation 3 was generally regarded to be more powerful than the Xbox 360 as well, but since it was harder to make games for, and the 360 was the lead skew, the lead platform that a lot of companies made games for, often the PS3 version uh, ran worse. Right. And so, I mean, I'm not giving the Xbox a pass. Like, I'm really curious to see. Like, that's a big difference if one's 60 totally. FPS and one's 30. Um, Especially for a single-player yep. graphical remake of a yep. game. Like, the whole point, if you're going to get that game, especially, I mean, I guess if you've already played it, is to have a great-looking single-player game on, presumably, your contemporary setup. Because 1080p is not, it's not, like, it's everybody should have 1080p pretty much by this mm. point. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll just have should to look better. We'll just have to wait and see. Like, it could be something that becomes a bigger deal twelve months from now, or it yeah. could be something that that gap closes as you know developers learn to optimize for both consoles and becomes a smaller deal. Um, but right now, I mean, anyone saying, "Oh, the two consoles are even," I mean, I think it's clear at this point that that's not. But they're not like drastically different. I don't think. Uh, I mean, 30, sixty FPS versus thirty is like that's a big gap, and it might just be they couldn't lock the Xbox One at 60 and that it hovered, yeah. you know, it was fluctuating so they just decided to lock it at 30 and they knew they could achieve that. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Um, I agree. Like you, it's not something that's important to me personally. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. Need, I have actually only have a 720p TV, so, um, you know, I'm more focused on the gameplay experience. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem to be an issue for Matt either, so I wouldn't spend too much time worrying about it. We do happen to be in an environment now where online gamers are, they are, very quick to argue about uh, no. yeah, s- really? specs to defend their system. That's just kind of a thing that's happening now online. Again? Unf- unfortunately. Uh, but you don't need to pay any attention to it. Don't pay them no mind. When is that uh, definitive edition out? Isn't that soon? Yeah. Is that next week? Yeah. Next yeah, it's, week? A, it's before the end of the month. Yeah. So and next week's the last. <laughs> so, <laughs> so next so. week. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll, be, I'll be playing it on PS4. You're gonna play the whole, do you think you're going to play the whole game again? I think so, yeah. I think I am too. It's my favorite game of last year. So. Yeah, mine too. The only thing I'm playing on consoles right now are NES Remix and uh, uh, Wind Waker HD. So mm-hmm. I can take a break from those. What are you guys playing right now? Uh, DC Universe Online. Yeah, still. Yeah. I'm playing Bravely Default. Ooh. Is it good? You like it? Yeah, I, yeah, I do like it. Um, it's, I can only play one JRPG a year, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get too, too obsessive with grinding and stuff, so I'm a little disappointed that it's... It's happening in January this year. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the year, I'm not it's like Fire Emblem. Last year was it Fire Emblem? So that was the one. Yeah, I didn't get to play Nino Cooney though. I still want to play that. Yeah. How about you, Justin? Uh, I went back to Skyrim, and I've been yeah. putting a lot of hours into that. <laughs> it's really good. I decided, like a crazy person, I decided I'm going to get all the achievements. Ooh. So I'm I'm deep deep in that rabbit hole. I would right say now. I would put that out as an HD or whatever. Yeah. Next gen thing to play again and do more with. Just like a yeah, with carry yeah. over. The definitive yeah. editions. I mean, they released the HD texture pack on PC. Um, Are you doing it on PC? Yeah, I'm playing on PC. Oh, I bet that looks so good. Well, I'm playing on a MacBook Pro. Booted oh. into <laughs> so it it runs. It runs at about what the console version runs at. Mm-hmm. Actually. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. That's about all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Sam. Thank, Thank you, Justin. You. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address at gamescoop at ign.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.